0: Let's open up God's word. If you would turn to Psalm 34. These past three weeks, Devin and I have been preaching through the book of Psalms. The the Psalms are really, they're a sanctuary where, where God dwells, where we can go in times of trouble, where we can go in times of celebration, where we can go in times of uncertainty, and where we can go when we need to experience the nearness of God. They teach us, the Psalms teach us how to express emotions that are grounded in, in faith. They don't, they don't teach us to suppress our emotions, but simply they the Psalms help us to discipline our emotions. And there's, there's much we can learn from David. When we read the Psalms, it, it might appear as though, you know, at times when you're reading the Psalms, David's Feelings go from very negative to suddenly they're, they're very positive and, and in a brief moment. And it might seem, wow, that's, that's just strange how he does that. But you, but you have to understand that the Psalms are, are really a compression of time. They're, they're, they're not this, describing this long, drawn-out process. It's, it's describing David's experience from the past and is what we're reading today. And the process really is longer. And Psalm 34 is such a psalm. It is a psalm that David is recalling through one of the most difficult seasons of his life. It's a psalm that I think this morning is going to be an encouragement and a source of hope for everybody here. Um, You have expressed significant trust in the Lord over these past months as we've you know, been unable to meet in in the school building, and then coming here and our Sunday devotionals and our Zoom Bible studies on Wednesday night, and our Zoom care group meetings, and just the lack of fellowship we've been able to experience. You have expressed exceptional faith, um, and 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 yet it has been a difficult time for for many. And so the Psalms help us. The Psalms help us to to connect with God in a way through our emotions. And so David has gone through this very difficult time. It, this Psalm, Psalm 34 refers to a time in, in 1 Samuel 21 where David was fleeing from Saul, who was his greatest enemy, who was, who was wanting to put David to death. And so desperate to get away from Saul, David flees towards the coast. He flees to, to Gath. Now, if you remember Gath, Gath is where, Goliath came from, this giant Philistine, the one who who David put to death. David flees to Gath thinking he's gonna find asylum. And on his way to Gath, he stops in in the, the town of Nob and he sees this, he he meets the, the priest there, Ahimelech, and he Is He asks Ahimelech, listen, I had to basically leave on a moment's notice. I don't have any weapons. I don't have a sword or a spear. Do you have a sword or a spear? And Ahimelech says, well, yeah, I have one thing. I have Goliath's old sword. And David says, okay, I'll take that. I'll take anything I can get. And so David grabs Goliath's sword, and he makes his way to Gath. And he arrives in Gath, and it dawns on him. This isn't the best place for me. His... The Abimelech, who is the king, or Achish, his, his other name, is the king. His servants are saying, Hey, isn't, isn't this the guy who uh, we used to sing about? Um, Saul has killed his thousands, David has killed his ten thousands. And it was at that moment David hears this, he realizes, I'm not finding asylum in this place. And so David David just pretends to be an insane man. He pretends to go, to go crazy. And he Spittle is running down his beard. He's, he's marking up the doorways. He's dancing around crazy. And, and, it, and Achish's, King Achish's response is, um, Behold, you see the man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do, do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? And so he, he literally lets David leaves and David escapes, and he ends up in hiding in a cave, the cave of Adullam. And, and that's the story behind this psalm. David's running from Saul. He goes to Gath, realizes his life is in danger, and, and escapes, and then ends up alone in a cave hiding from all his enemies. That's the history behind this psalm. Read with me, beginning in verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us Taste and see that the Lord is good. Bless is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their trouble. The Lord The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord abides forever. This this psalm is David's response to the events that he has walked through. And it's a response where David sees far beyond his trial to the God who is present in his trials. Psalm 34 is not about David's experience, but about God's faithfulness to him in his experience. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are with us at all times. You promised to never leave us nor forsake us. You promised that you would be with us always to the end of the age. And as we read this psalm, this story, this experience about David, Lord, let it, let it also remind us of our experience with you, that, that you have always been near to us. You have always saved us out of our troubles. You have always been near to us when we are brokenhearted. And Lord, as we, as we study this psalm about your faithfulness, may praise well up in our hearts that you might be glorified. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This is a testimony of God's goodness to to David, the, and the key passage in this psalm, one of my just joyful passages, is thirty four eight, where David declares, "Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Taste and see." Now, David describes this tasting of God's goodness in in four sections what it's like to live in the goodness of God. What it's like to live with a God who is faithful. And the first section is verses 1 through 3, which are simply a hymn of praise. It's very likely that when David wrote this psalm, he was alone in the cave of Adullam. So he has gone through this experience and he's writing this psalm alone. And as he writes this psalm, his experience is not informing him in an inward self pity way. He is, he is looking upward and he writes, I will bless the Lord at all times. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I suspect the word all means all times. Amen. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. This Ongoing commitment to to praise the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Surrounded by enemies, living in constant danger, and finding himself alone, David remains undeterred in his commitment to praise God at every moment. James Boyce says this about David he says, He may have been hiding in a dismal cave, but his psalm tells us that in his heart he was hiding in the Lord. He was hiding in the Lord. And he says, let the humble hear and be glad. And, and, and what, what I think David's communicating in the midst of his unimaginable trials, his grim trials, the humble don't accuse God of wrongdoing. They don't charge God by thinking they know better and they wouldn't have let this happen. If I was God, this would have not gone this way. But no, instead, his trust is in God's providence, even when that providence is dark. And then David goes on to what is the ultimate task of every believer in every situation. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Let, let all of God's people respond this way to the experiences of their lives. Let us magnify the Lord together. Oh, what a, what a gift it is to gather as the church, to magnify the Lord together, to exalt his name together, to, to gather together and to come into a place like this and say, you know what, whatever trials, whatever experiences... They are real, and they are painful, but we can magnify the Lord. We can gather together, and that is David's experience. And so here is, he opens up with this hymn of praise, this this wonderful hymn of praise. But then he goes on to a testimony of grace in verses 4 through 10. In, in thirty four six, David describes himself. He says, this poor man cried. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him. David describes himself as a poor man. And apart from knowing Christ, who isn't poor? Who, who isn't poor? He describes himself this way, because at this time in his life, David has lost everything. He has nothing left. With all his enemies around, he finds himself alone in a dismal cave. He finds himself you know, surrounded by enemies. He has no, no hope for his future, as far as he can see, and yet, as he describes himself as this poor man, he says, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. God God was listening. This Listen, this psalm, brothers and sisters, this psalm is for anyone who finds himself or herself at their lowest point in life, like David. And also like David, they also find, if they look carefully, they have an enduring testimony of God's grace. All all of you here who have put your faith and trust in Christ as your Savior, you have an enduring testimony of God's grace in your life alone in a dismal cave or surrounded by enemies or stricken with illness, whatever difficulty you face, you have an enduring testimony of God's grace as David did. And that is because Christ is always near us. As David knows, God is near him. His his nearness brings light into darkness. His presence calms our fears as it did David. His forgiveness his forgiving grace removes our shame. His deliverance will come to pass for all who look to him. David writes, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. David, David sees far beyond into the future knowing who God is. And he looks to God for deliverance. He looks to God and says all should look to God. All should fear him, revere him. Trusting that he will protect. This vivid testimony of God's grace in David's life, listen, it's our testimony in Christ. It's the same testimony we have. I, I sought the Lord and he answered me, David says. Well, four times in this, in this psalm, David takes comfort in God's eagerness to hear his prayers and God's eagerness to answer his prayers. In 34.4 he says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. In 34.6 again he says, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him. In, in 4.17 when the righteous cry for help the Lord heals. In, fi- hears. in 15 the eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears towards their cry. What is David expressing? God hears you. Prayer Means something. Prayer is heard. God is so faithful. I sought the Lord and he answered me. And yet, even as, as David is aware that the Lord hears his prayers, he knows that it does not mean that it will always change the difficulty of his trials. But he does know ultimately. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. No fear of judgment. No fear of of eternity because the Lord has has delivered him. And he de- he's delivered us in Christ. He will make his face shine upon us. Verse 5. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. What what a gift it is to see Uh, A brother or sister who is walking through a very difficult and painful season of suffering and trial and yet... Yet you talk to them and, and their trust is in the Lord, and you you see this radiance upon their face. Who is that's God doing that. That is the Lord. That is the presence of God in their life. And and that is what David is saying about himself. David is, when David's saying that those who look to God are are radiant, he's thinking about him. Self, and he is aware that God will deliver him he is aware that God will save this poor man out of all his troubles he is aware that God will protect him Verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. I mean, there's this, and there's this theme of fear, how, how we revere God. And it's not a fear of terror, of God's judgment and God's wrath, because David knows that is not what will happen to him, as we do because we are in Christ. But it is a, it is a reverence, it is a holy awe, it is a holy looking to God. And David says, The angel of of the Lord, the angels of the Lord encamp around those who fear him, and again, delivers him, saves him out of his trouble, delivers. There's this wonderful David, David looks to this, this is a, a cry, an expression of faith, because David is yet to be delivered. God is yet to deliver him from the hand of Saul. God has yet to deliver him out of this cave. And yet David, David can see who God is. And that this is a psalm about, this is his testimony about God's faithfulness. All of these things that we read about here from verse 4 through verse 10, all that God does for David, all that God does for us, that's what it means to taste the Lord, to taste the goodness of God to find refuge in the Lord. That's what David is, is celebrating. And, and he's aware in verse, in verse 9, he says, Oh, fear the Lord, you saints, for, for those who fear him have no lack. God always provides. But then he goes on to say this, this unusual comment, the young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And, and it really, it's, it's a wonderful description of, it doesn't matter how strong you are, the lion, the king, you know, king of the beasts, who, who seem to be the strongest, and yet, hey, they suffer want and hunger. But those, the poor man, the weak, who know the Lord, twice, he says here, they will have no lack they will lack no good thing. That's who God is. That's who God has been to us in Christ. In our weakness, in our, in our wickedness, in our sin, in our, in our desperation, in, in our poverty, God sent Christ. God sent his son to deliver us that we would lack no good thing and there is nothing that we lack in Christ and then he moves on in in verse 11 he goes he goes on from this testimony of grace to a sermon for life david david begins to teach us he this this sermon reads like a chapter in Proverbs, short bursts of eternal truths to help direct our hearts towards the Lord. The, the theme of Proverbs 1 through 9 is the fear of the Lord, and we've seen that through this passage. Not and, and so here, David, this doesn't describe our emotions or our attitude towards the Lord, but he also describes the actions we take as believers. And that's where this sermon begins in verse 11. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What is there? What man is there who desires life and loves many good days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So David's, David's simplicity in his sermon is, Listen to the Lord, for he's speaking to you through his word. The desire that you have in your heart, the desire for good... Um, God is the one who brings that good to you. How you speak matters because it reveals what's in your heart. And turn away from evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. So David just simply, he reduces down to, hey, all these things about the goodness of God, all these things about knowing the fear of God, they they get reduced down in in David's simple sermon. These are the actions we take as believers. This This is how we live. And then David finishes with a wonderful summary of the promises of God. He begins with a hymn of praise. He describes a testimony of grace. He gives us this quick and simple sermon for life. And then he closes with a summary of the promises of God in 15 through 22. And he reminds us of who God is and all that God has done. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, so God is not indifferent to sinners to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in Spirit, now, I, I, David's describing himself to have lost everything, to to have to run for your life from the king that you so loyally served, to now being in a cave all by yourself. Understandably, that's brokenheartedness. I could understand. David feeling crushed in spirit but but he doesn't he doesn't look at that he says the Lord is near the Lord is near many are the afflictions of the righteous now not my most favorite verse in the bible but a true verse but the Lord delivers him out of them all listen third Verse 15, God is simply always watching and listening. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, his children are so dear to them, he can never take his eyes off of them. He watches each of them as carefully and intently as if they were the only creature in the universe. That is God's disposition toward each and every one of you. And verse sixteen, David's the reality. He this is who God is. He is not indifferent to sinners, and so this this is this is a a a psalm that that describes to sinners that that the the way of their life is the way of destruction, and and to turn back and to to trust in this Lord to to come. Oh, children, listen to me. I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. Learn the fear of the Lord, that you might know God, that you might know christ and then he goes on that in verse 16 or 17 when the righteous cry for help those who have been has been saved when the righteous cry for help the lord hears again this reminder that god listens and again delivers them out of their troubles and in our greatest distress verse 18 brokenhearted and crushed in spirit in our greatest distress god god is near God is near. Now, picture picture David in a cave. We're outside. It's a little humid. You know, it's summertime. I'm glad it's not December. Uh, we wouldn't be here if it was December. But he's all by himself. It's probably dark. It's, it's damp in that cave. And and. And yet David David says God is near. God is near. He's not abandoned David. He's not distant from David. He is near. God God is near. And and that is in our greatest distress. And and here in verse 19 many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Now this is this is one of those half-empty, half-full-glass propositions. Which are you? Are you you just only aware of your afflictions, or are you aware of the God who delivers you out of them all? Because David seems to be a half-full-glass kind of a guy. Many are my afflictions, but the Lord has delivered me out of them all. And then verse twenty. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Uh, this, this obviously is, and this alludes to Christ on the cross. But, but David's experience is simply, David. he's just talking about God protecting him. That God is watching over him. And then in, in 21 and 22, David concludes, he says, Affliction will slay the wicked. Now, we just read that many are the afflictions of the righteous. But God delivers them out of us, out of them all. Whereas those who are wicked, their affliction will slay them. And those who hate the righteous will be condemned. David sees the faithfulness of God in his life through deliverance. And we see the gospel of Christ in our deliverance. Now those who reject Christ will be condemned, while those who trust him and take refuge in him will not be condemned. For us, listen, for us the fulfillment of all this summary of promises, this wonderful testimony of grace, for the fulfillment of these, it's the promise of the gospel. It's the good news of the gospel. David experienced the goodness of God in his deliverance. But the ultimate deliverance that we were in need of, the, from the eternal punishment due to us for our sins, that deliverance came through Christ. And that is where we must look. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. Verse 22, none of those who take refuge, who look to him, who have faith in Christ, will be condemned. David wonderfully declares that God's servants will be redeemed. And how does the Lord redeem us? Well, through Christ, because he took our condemnation in our place. In Hebrews, if, we remember, if you remember, in Hebrews, it says that Jesus tasted death for us. So we get to taste the Lord, the goodness of God, while Christ tasted death for us. He took our condemnation in it and took our place. James Boyce, and we close with this, he said, These verses represent a mature and very balanced view of life, pointing to the deliverance God provides for those who fear him, but not overlooking the fact that in spite of God's favor, the righteous nevertheless do frequently suffer in this life. This psalm is David's hymn of praise for God delivering him, but deliverance is one thing, and freedom from a trouble free life is another. Psalm, listen, Psalm 34, it's just an old-fashioned roadmap that shows us how to navigate our way as exiles in a hostile world to John Bunyan's celestial city. What a wonderful psalm to remind us that God is near, that God delivers, that God listens, that God protects, that God cares, that God is with the the brokenhearted and the crushed in spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have given reminders again and again of your love for us, your intentions towards us, your patience with us, how good you are to us. And Lord I pray as we as we leave this place today, we would not only be reminded of of how we are to taste the goodness of the Lord and take refuge in you, but that you would just again and again each day, let us taste your goodness for your glory in Christ's name. Amen.